George, I'm I'm really excited about today. Like I've been wanting to have yeah. uh, our, our guests that we have today for a long time. I used to do these little podcasts back in the beginning of quarantine where, uh, you know, I would talk to people that I looked up to, admired, um, that I thought were amazing people. And I had asked Tom a while ago, but he was busy. He's got, and he's a busy guy. And I'm speaking yeah. to Tom Cross, who is a, uh, not only a fellow Brighton High School grad of ours, he also yep. uh, is an Academy Award winning uh, film editor for the movie Whiplash um, from 2014. Um, and he made time to be with us today. Um, and I remember back when uh, he, he was uh, nominated and uh, it was very exciting around Rochester. And the Oscar goes to... Tom Cross, Whiplash. So that was, uh, Tom, that was, uh, what, February 22nd, 2015. Take it, let's start there. Take us back to that. What did that announce? How did that impact you? How did that <laughs> announcement impact you? Well, uh, by the way, it's good to, it's good to be chatting with you guys. This is like, oh, it's yeah. great to have you. you I feel like I'm back at like Don and Bob's or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sitting down and getting a burger or something yeah. like that. Surprise. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, it was very surreal. I mean, it, it, it's, it, there are all sorts of feelings that you can imagine. I mean, I grew up, grew up with you guys who grew up in Brighton and, you know, I loved movies growing up and my, you know, my mom, my, my mom who is no longer with us, but she, she was an artist. My dad loved movies. So um, we grew up watching the Academy Awards on TV. So, uh, you know, I remember um, I have distinct little memories of all the Academy Awards we watched together as a family. And it was really, you know, it was just really fun. And I, I remember, um, yeah, I remember certain movies. Uh, I was conscious of editing uh, or was conscious enough to remember some of those, uh, you know, best editing winners when I grew up. And so anyways, flash forward to, you know, uh, having this movie Whiplash and and it gaining a lot of attention and and here we are you know in the uh, in the uh, well I think it was I think what was the Dolby Theater what used to be called the Kodak Theater right. yep. which was very yep. meaningful for for me um, but uh, I just you know it's funny it's like a long the getting to the Academy Awards in my experience then was this long run of, of, um, all these events, you know, all these other awards, um, many of which I didn't go to the golden globes and, uh, um, you know, SAG awards and DGA, all these other things. Um, but I, you know, the, the thing I had to compare is I had been recently in London for the BAFTAs, the BAFTA awards, the British Academy awards. And yep. I was, lucky enough to win the editing award uh, for Whiplash in London. And so I had a little bit of a um, experience about getting up in front of people and speaking, you know, to a large crowd in a large theater. Um, but generally, you know, I'm a film editor, so I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't do a lot of public speaking yeah. uh, or I didn't at that time. And uh, I certainly don't go on television and stuff like that. So that was, um, surreal, but I, you know, I, the thing I remember was being in the box seat with, with a bunch of my other, uh, 
editor friends who were also nominated. And um, by that point, you get to know all those people you're nominated. If you don't know them already, and I actually, I, I hadn't met them, but I got to know them. I was fans of their work. So by, by the time you get to this, you've kind of been through the wars together a little bit. So you're, 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 you're kind of tight somewhat, you're close. And, uh, and I remember we're all sort of sitting in this box and, and, you know, when they pulled out the envelope, it, it's, it's almost like everything went, it, it's, it's almost, it sounds like a cliche. Everything went in slow motion. Sure. So I, I'm sure I, it did. <laughs> I couldn't and, imagine. And, and it's so, I, it's so, I feel funny talking about it because it's, it's exactly the way in some ways you would imagine it. I mean, slow motion. And when, when, um, Naomi uh, Watts and Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, pull out the envelope, you know, she, she pulls the thing, the card out of the envelope and there's this delayed, what felt to me like an eternity. Yeah. And she even bumps the card on oh. the mic stand, you know, which you can hear it in the recording. Like there's a little bump or whatever. And, uh, and then he chimes in and says my name and it's just so uh, it's so surreal. Like it basically, it becomes, you're just, I was just like on cloud nine and almost like on autopilot. And the, the other thing I remember is, you know, because we're not, we weren't sitting uh, where we were sitting when they did the editing award, we were sitting not in the nosebleed seats, but we were way far back. And when the time comes for your event, uh, for the editors, at least, you know, you've got these stagehands who come and basically during the commercial break, they move you to a box seat, which is two box seats on uh, boxes on either side of the stage. So you're close. So you don't have to walk the whole theater, you know? Oh, okay. And so they do that just for the broadcast. And so you're, you're in the commercial break. We all got moved to a box seat on one side and they gave us these specific instructions. Like they said, okay, well, if you win, guys, if you win and you win, you're going to you're going to walk up. Don't walk up to this near staircase. You're going to walk to the center and then walk up those stairs. And, and they gave us very specific instructions. And of course, after I heard my name called, I get up right away. And then I immediately walk to the wrong staircase to start walking up. <laughs> of there. Course. And then, you know, and then I'm like, what am I doing? And then I remembered <clears throat> midway. Yeah. And then, you know, like I sort of changed course and walked around, walked in front of, you know, in the front and walked up. And, um, you know, I, I, I think someone once gave me some advice for that sort of thing. When I say that sort of thing, I mean, speaking publicly, you know, whether it be a best man's toast or whether it's that, I mean, you know, think about who you're speaking to. You know, I, I think, I think the, the, the moments where I realized I was standing in front of thousands of people and then it's being broadcast, that's when you start hearing your own heartbeat. That's when you start, <laughs> you know, you, you start hearing crickets and you, you want to tap the mic and say, is this thing on, you know, it's yeah. completely awkward, but your pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, uh, I just remember wanting to like speak to the people, the filmmakers, speak to Damien Chazelle, the director. And that's really mm -hmm. what I did. I mean, I just wanted to speak directly to them. And in that way, then it all just kind of came out, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what this else to say, except that it was just a life changing moment. Oh, I mean, yeah. literally, 
couldn't life imagine changing for my career, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, Tom, I mean, the most I've won is the funniest person in Rochester contest in 2014. Which I mean, awesome. Well, yeah, no, not really. Not compared to what you did. <laughs> not compared at all. Oh, but that's, that's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I was friendly as an eighth grade. <laughs> that's, I, hey man, those relatives were, that's like, that was the game that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was uh, awesome. Yeah. And, and um, you know, oh, sorry. Yeah, just the, the, no, no, go ahead, please. I, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's it, cloud nine continues from, from, from that point on. I mean, that whole night. And, and I, I should also say that I was just sick as a dog. Like by the point, by the, by the time you oh. get to through that, there's this whole awards run, you know, of, of the movies and, the Academy Awards kind of caps it off, you know, after all the Golden Globes and all that stuff. And, and like I said, I didn't go to the Golden Globes, but you, the studios have all these events and these parties and things like that. And, and um, you do press and all this stuff, which is, which is a wonderful thing for, for filmmakers because you make this movie and you get to talk about it and publicize it. So it's not something I take lightly. It's a great, it's great. Um, and, but you know, I was just run so ragged, and I think I was working at the same time. So I was balancing that stuff, those activities, and um, you know, and working. And I was, I was really sick. I mean, really sick. Like the day before were the Film Independent Awards, uh, known as the Indie Spirit Awards, and I was there, and I was, uh, I was just sick. I had to go to urgent care the night before the day of the Oscars. And because my wife said, look, you know, you should you should go to urgent care because I don't you know, you might have you could have so you could have pneumonia and you don't want to miss tomorrow, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was afraid like I had this 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 big feeling of fear that like, wow, I could really I, I don't want to screw this up. So I was on antibiotics and I, I kind of held it together for the night, but I was really uh, you never would have known. I was sick. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Now you pulled it. You definitely pulled it off. And, uh, and you just have to for those moments, right? Yeah. And, and, I mean, when, and when you're going in those moments, do you find that, um, I mean, it's so easy, I guess, for actors and actresses because they're so used to being in front of the camera. Right. Do you think they look at it as kind of like, oh, it's film editing. They expect to, yeah. I don't know, they expect you to be a little awkward. It's, it's kind of like <laughs> when I work for Apple. It's like, oh, the, the people, you know, dealing with customers. And then there's the geniuses, right? The geniuses right. are great. <laughs> you always expect them to be a bit awkward. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I just kind of, uh, I mean, that's the thing is in those moments, you know, you just wish that, you know, I, I you know, not wish that I was an actor, but I, you, I wish that I had their skill set or their, you know, like, this is like, right. oh, if I was a stage actor, you know, this would be, it, it feels like this would be old hat, but then, you know, I, I bet for them, I mean, it's still, it's still something that's huge. I think it's probably just, you know, it's such a specific oh. thing, the Academy Awards, right? So for sure. Um, yeah. I don't, well, you, I don't you know. the, the speech you gave, <laughs> the speech you gave, you nailed it. I mean, oh. I, you covered all the bases. You, you praised the director and my God, I thought he was going to cry when you, when yeah. you, uh, no. but then uh, the most important thing is you thanked your wife. That was the most important thing. <laughs> I think my in-laws really appreciated. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, yep. you know, I, we, you know, I, I, that was really, 
what's fun to it's funny in my wife, you know, they did a cutaway. She got a shot. She know? did. She yeah. got a shot, which is awesome. And I think, I mean, on one hand, my wife and I laugh about it and we're like, oh, it's, we had so much fun um, despite me being sick. But, um, but the funny thing is, is that like, you know, with film editing and my career and stuff, I mean, my family in particular, my wife has been so supportive and not just supportive, but like, I mean, she, she worked during my lean times before whiplash so that I could, I could keep chasing down what I wanted, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, you know, in a way me going up there and accepting this award, it's, it's like, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people in film, like you, you know, the, the spouse, the partner should really be up there with you because it's this joint kind of um, endeavor. Sure. And, you know, I, another movie I did for Damien Chazelle, First Man, uh, this, where Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong, yeah. um, you know, I had this kind of little mini epiphany, uh, which in some ways retrospect seems kind of obvious, but uh, an obvious thought. But my observation and takeaway from working on a Neil Armstrong picture is that these heroic men um, were just regular they were exceptional, but they were regular human beings. I mean, they're regular guys and they did this amazing, uh, they did these amazing things and that makes them heroic. Um, but every single, you know, dangerous mission that it went on and every, almost every mission was dangerous, you know, their families invariably got taken along for the ride, you know, and that's something we wanted to show in that movie and first man was how, how, you know, um, uh, the astronauts went on these dangerous missions, but, you know, their wives kind of, and their families, their kids had to kind of, um, had to just kind of accept the stakes and accept that, you know, this was the life that maybe their father wouldn't come home or their husband wouldn't come home or whatever it was, or, or, or the, the intense scrutiny and press, pressure and press that comes when you are the first man who walks on the moon you know, all that stuff, you know, that's the family goes along for the ride. And so my, my rough, um, messy sort of analogy is that my experience working in the film business, you know, I kind of take my wife and my kids along with me for better or worse. Yeah. And hopefully mostly for better, but, um, okay. but they're, they're always there even, you know, when I'm doing the long hours or if I have to travel, I mean, they're they bear the brunt of a lot of it you know so anyways, oh for that, sure so that that's you know that was my thought is like oh uh, later I look back it's like oh you know my my wife should have been uh with me up on the stage you you know? yeah. <laughs> you're right and and i do want to talk more um we'll, we'll we'll talk more about the doors that were opened once we hit whiplash because it's such like a pivotal oh, yeah. moment yeah. However, um, I would like to backtrack a little bit. So we yeah. all left Brighton High. We all left Brighton High School. We went and here. To we are just. Yeah. Yep. You went to. <laughs> yeah. You you went to because a big part of the show is a lot of people listening. We have a lot of we have a lot of actors too that are young in the sure. business, and we've actually had a few producers on. So I think it, it, it's really important to kind of kind of highlight your journey along the way. So I believe it was purchase, right? You went to purchase. Yeah, I went to, yes. And I knew, I knew I wanted to study film. And I think at okay, that time, so you I didn't was, know that already. I did out of high school, you know, I, I, 
I, like I said, I grew up loving movies. I went to the movies all the time. You know, I remember spending so many, uh, so many afternoons at Lowe's Pittsford, uh, <laughs> Plaza, yeah. uh, and theater, I don't think exists anymore. Unfortunately, no. that was a big deal at Lowe's Webster. I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, going to, going to all the theaters, uh, my parents taking me to the Dryden theater, uh, at the George Eastman house. Yeah. And, um, like I said, they, they encouraged art, you know, they encouraged artistic thinking and creativity. Great. And, um, that was, I mean, I, I, I didn't give it a second thought in a way. And my dad, in fact, again, you know, my dad was not, my dad worked for the Red Cross when we were in Rochester. Um, he did, um, service to military families and did, uh, worked in the area of disaster relief. Uh, so he wasn't a film person, but he loved movies and he would, um, growing up, he would, you know, buy me books. Like I, we would go to the library all the time, Brighton library. I would take out, you know, endless, endlessly take out books on movies, but he started buying me books about movies, you know, about the films of this director and that director and the art of watching movies and all this stuff. And, um, and I just ate all that stuff up. So when it came time to go to college, I can't remember if I said I wanted to study film or if it was some, something my parents thought about. Uh, but somehow we wound up picking uh, SUNY Purchase because uh, we heard they had a really good, it was in-state, which was important because right. of the tuition cost. We wanted yeah. to like not go too crazy. And I think also, I didn't think about it much, but I think my parents probably didn't mind keeping me close to home as yeah. opposed to going far away. Um, but uh, we heard they had a good film conservatory or film program. So I applied and at first I didn't get in. It's, it, they, it was a, it's a very small art school. Um, they only accepted like 20 film students a year because uh, it's a small program. But eventually I did, I did get in and uh, somewhere along the way, I, so I studied film and I thought I wanted to be a director. I thought, you know, and it's primarily a film director's program. They're the, the focus is to turn you into film director. Uh, but I discovered that I really loved editing. I mean, when you go to film school, or at least when you go to SUNY Purchase Film School, they, you try your hand at acting, you take acting classes, you take writing, you take a cinematography classes, editing, you, you take and study all the disciplines of filmmaking. And I found I really loved editing. And, and before I went to purchase, I actually did have, I didn't, hadn't, didn't have an experience editing, but I had an a very rough understanding of editing. I was conscious of it from movies that I grew up loving. And uh, so when I went to purchase, I just continued experimenting and working in that way. And then after I graduated, I moved, I stuck with friends I made at purchase. Um, we moved to New York city and yeah. I just, you know, tried to get work and it took a little while. Uh, I mean, I remember working, working at a video store. That was actually my, my first job ever was working at a video which store. One, which on one was Monroe in Manhattan? Ave. Well, Monroe so, well, I was I'm, talking Manhattan. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going back to high school. I'm just remembering my first job was working at a video store. I worked on Monroe Ave. There was a video store, a little video store called video update. They changed their name to video age. Uh, but anyways, I, so <laughs> that's what I knew how to do work at a video store. So <laughs> after I got out of college, 
I got another job uh, on the Upper East Side, a place called York Video. Um, uh-huh. And that was, you know, uh, my first job. And the guy who owned the video store was was a movie buff. And we hit it off. And, you know, it, it was like, it was a nice, you know, I wouldn't say a cushy job, but it was a nice, friendly place to land. And, yeah. you know, here I am living in New York, which I hadn't done before. I'm living with, I got two roommates, old college buddies, and uh, working at a video store. And, you know, somewhere along the way, I like a friend, a friend gate heard someone was looking for um, an assistant editor, you know, and by that point, I, I had a feeling that I wanted to go into post-production into editing. A lot of my friends went into production. They went into uh, shooting and gaffing and lighting on set on sets and things like that. Um, I gravitated toward the editing room and uh, <clears throat> I got the name of a guy uh, totally cold called him. You know, I think I faxed, I had his fax number somehow and I sent him my <laughs> resume <clears throat> and he, he actually was nice enough to call me and <clears throat> he invited me over to um, his editing. He had an editing company, a little editing company. He would cut commercials. This is in Manhattan. And yep. it was a company named Pi, P-I, Pi Edit. And it was this guy named Terry Katz, uh, commercial editor. And <clears throat> he invited me to come, uh, you know, like one afternoon and I came over prepared for a job interview and <clears throat> he showed me what he was editing on, which was, um, the avid media composer, which at the time, this was in the nineties, that was a brand new thing. Um, movies were, were, uh, you know, still edited on film documentaries and things were not not edited on Avid. I mean, basically it was too expensive for uh, and too technically problematic for a lot of different genres. It was very well suited to short form commercials. Um, And so he showed me this editing, you know, device and machine or whatever you want to call it, system. And, uh, and it was so primitive. I mean, it looked, it, it was like watching YouTube. It was in black and white. It was it was like 15 frames per second. It was like really primitive. And my mind was blown. Like I was like, this is amazing, you know? (laughs) And, and, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't need to hire anyone, but he said, look, I'm not hiring anyone, but you know, I can, let me, let me show you this directory of, you know, New York, directory of film places, film companies. And he started going through the the list, the book, and he started giving me names of people that he knew uh, at companies. And he said, yeah, yeah, call this person, call that person. And somewhere along the way, I had the gut, as I was writing down, feverishly writing down these numbers, I had the guts to kind of ask him like, you know, would, would it be okay if I said that, that we were friends or that I knew you? And he sort of paused for a second. He just met me. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. You know? And yeah. I was like, ah. yeah. And one of these places I contacted um, was how a you film hustle it. I love it. What's that? I said, that's how you hustle it. I love it. Totally, totally. And I don't even think I knew what I was doing in that moment. <laughs> right? yeah. you know? But one of these places, um, companies, film editing companies called me, called me in for an interview. And the, this editor, a co- partner in the company, Laura Milstein, commercial editor, 
brought me in, interviewed me. And she's like, oh, yeah, I hear you're a friend of Terry's. I'm like, yep. <laughs> That's <laughs> pals. And, uh, and, you know, she hired me. And, you know, I was exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for someone young, 20-something, um, just out of film school, but, but hungry, you know? They were looking for someone hungry. And um, they were looking for someone they could train. And so I got, so that was my first, I guess, what you'd call real job in the business. I was, I was hired as an assistant editor at a commercial editing company. And um, I worked at this company for two years. It was, it, it actually to this day remains my only um, salary job where <laughs> I got paid vacations. I got sick days, health oh, wow. through this company because everything I've done since has been freelance. Um, so this was my only quote unquote straight job wow. in the business. Okay. Um, and it was a wonderful experience because I got to um, learn what it was like to work and assist other editors. Um, I got to uh, learn how to work professionally with clients and with uh, creative people, creative executives. And bear in mind, advertising was not my interest. It wasn't what I wanted to ultimately do. I always wanted to work on movies. Um, but this was something that was, I knew was a great um, break for me because I could, I could get my foot in the door. I could learn editing equipment. I could learn a professional workflow. And so yep. I, I did that for two years. And at some point, I knew that I really wanted to move forward with my, with my um, feature film work somehow. Somehow, I wanted to get my foot in the door there. And I ended up um, taking the, you know, look, trying to be selective about opportunities because now I had a job that was good and I didn't, in some ways, didn't want to leave it. But again, the, the calling to do my dream really kind of grabbed me, you know, and took hold. And I leapt at this opportunity that was like kind of, you know, like a feature film assisting assistant editor opportunity. And I gave my notice and I left and they were very understanding. They gave me a great, wonderful send off party gifts. And it was very sweet. And within my last two weeks of work there, I found out that this job fell through the job oh. that I was going to go to Ugh. fell through. But I, I kind of had saved up a certain amount of money from my work at this <clears throat> company and I decided to continue, I decided to move forward. So I didn't stay at that company. I, I just, I just kind of took the leap and, you know, I was in my twenties. Uh, I was living with two roommates, two buddies. Rent was cheap even though it's New York, rent was relatively cheap. And I'd yeah, say- Yeah, Upper East Side, I, that was the place to be at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely, I was, I, was, I was at the right, you know, kind of in the right place at the right time in, in yeah. some ways. Um, the indie film world was kind of getting big in New York in the 90s. And so a lot of work, like indie film work was going on. So I, you know, got my foot in the door with these, kind of sound companies and film editing companies that did indie feature stuff, but 
it was hard for me to initially get a paying gig, but I would, I would work for free or for very, you know, kind of low paying gigs just to get my foot in the door. And I could do that because I had saved up this, I'd saved up money and, and, you know, figured I could afford to do that. So I did a lot of freebies. I did, I did pro bono work just to get my foot in the door. And what ended up happening is, um, I got a call from one of these companies that I had done a lot of pro bono work for. Um, they were renting an editing room to a, someone who I thought was a famous film editor in, in New York, this guy named Tim Squires. He edits all of Ang Lee's movies. And so he, you know, he did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and, yeah. you know, all of, all of Ang Lee's movies. And so he was editing some commercials in between film work and he needed an assist. He was looking for an assistant editor who had, uh, who, who specifically had a commercial background. And that was me. And so the people who I'd been doing pro bono work for, you know, kind of put my name in the hat with him. And I ended up working for him, um, assisting him on some commercials and we hit it off. And he, I think he was impressed because I, I, I knew what I was doing in that world commercials. And, um, and he took me with him on his next project, which was a movie. It was an indie movie in New York. So with that job, I got into the editing union in New York and, um, and that was the beginning of my long road of, it was a long road of being an assistant editor and sometime editor. I spent many years, um, as an assistant editor before I decided that I was ready to edit and make that shift. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that was, I spent the next, you know, couple years, um, more than a couple of years, late nineties into 2001, I spent, you know, um, assistant editing. And then I also switched to editing the documentary. I did documentary work and what, and what you find with people, you know, who work in the film business in New York, um, even if you work in movies, they don't, you know, there, there isn't an endless stream of movies there. So you, you take whatever work you can get. So I worked in reality right. TV, I worked TV promos, industrials, fashion videos, all sorts of different work in different genres just to make ends meet. And my phone really kind of slowed down right before September 11th. And then after September 11th, my phone just stopped ringing completely. Wow. I mean, this work was just, um, you know, I mean, the whole world was turned upside down, but my, yeah. but, but I was not working. So how long after that did you, did you stay in New York then? Because that was a really, that was a tough time for everybody, but especially in that yeah. field. Well, I, I, that was a big deciding factor, uh, you know, was, was, was the work drying up, you know? Um, yeah. and that's where you start feeling, you start feeling the heat. Like in other words, before, you know, I was, I, when I was much, when I was younger, uh, in my twenties, starting out making very little money, you know, you're kind of just, uh, you, you're, you're really dancing on your feet. You're, you're really juggling, you know, and work is, is happening. Money's coming in, money's going out, you know, but by the time, you know, September 11th happened, uh, things were really slow. I started, you start feeling the heat, you start feeling how expensive rent is, you know, yeah. and by that point I was, you know, I was paying a lot for rent and I'd moved up in my own little way. And, you know, I had been in, you know, a relationship, uh, 
uh, for six or seven years. And by that point, you know, also that relationship ended. So uh, I remember being in an apartment in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, and with the rent that yeah. we used to share. And all of a sudden it was just me, you know? So those, those were, those were hard times. So I, you know, I had always thought about joining some friends, uh, in LA, um, yeah. some friends uh, who I grew up with, uh, one friend in particular, Donnie Michaeli. Oh, Donnie. Uh, yeah. Who I, I, you know, we were, we've been best, best friends since kindergarten. Um, you know, he had moved out to LA, uh, years earlier. And it was at that point, you know, after September 11, I decided to join him. And so, and join some other friends. So it was 2002. It was about, I think it was like September, August, September, 2002, that I moved to Los Angeles. And, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I've been lucky cause I've had, I've had a lot of friends I grew up with, um, who, you know, kind of paved the way for me in a way. And Donnie, I mentioned Donnie who, you know, yep. uh, George and Todd, we went to, you know, we went to Brighton with, um, mm -hmm. and other schools, uh, middle school, <laughs> elementary <Yeah. laughs> school, you know, I mean, he's, he's like a brother. So, you know, uh, I remember moving out to LA, I, I was lucky to know people, you know, and not only know people, but know some, have someone there who's like my brother. And, when I'm, as soon as I moved there, um, a similar thing happened. You know, I made the decision to move there because I had, um, lined up a gig and the, the gig basically fell through, um, as soon as I got there, it got delayed, it got delayed and then it got delayed right. again. And then it, it seemed pretty clear it was going to fall apart. So that's happened. And you to were me. used to the, Yeah. You were used to that. I mean, I was used to it, but I, I will admit that that it's was got to hurt. <laughs> it, it did yeah. hurt. It did yeah. Hurt. Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't work when I moved to LA in 2002, I was trying to, I had gotten away far away from the film business, at least in my opinion, because I had, I had gotten into other types of work, documentary, reality TV. And I really wanted to get back into feature film editing and feature film assistant editing. And that was very, once I got out of the loop, it was very hard to get back in. And, uh, I was in LA for five or six months and I didn't work. And that was a very, um, that was a very tough time, you yeah. know, tough for the, for the, for the stressful, for the, the pocketbook part of it. But, um, but it was also, um, it was just very, I just remember it being very depressing. You know, and well, yeah, because you're not you're not exercising your craft, right? And you and even though it's not going to atrophy, atrophy, you think in your head, oh, if I'm not using it, these certain muscles, yeah, yeah. it's going to atrophy, and it's going to take me that much longer to catch up with everybody else that's doing everything else. Because let's face it, whether you're in New York or L.A., and I've been to both cities, yeah, intim intimately, yeah, um, everybody's still looking over everybody else's shoulders. That's just the way it. It. it yeah. you know, hopefully, the world will change, but that's the way it's been for a long, long time. So yeah. what was your first, what was the break then back into feature films? What was your first break in LA? You know, it was, I got an assistant editing job on a horror movie called wrong turn, hmm. um, okay. which, uh, which, which is a movie about these sort of, uh, I remember that movie. Yeah. Wrong turn young, young adults going into the backwoods of, uh, I don't care if it's Virginia or wherever, where they encounter these, these kind of inbred mountain men who oh, terrorize God. and kill people. And, oh uh, my God. Yeah. 
That's just so, Todd's every day. Like when yeah, he goes running, just, <laughs> when he goes running right. out in Menden, I, I go for runs in the woods all the time. And that's, <laughs> exactly. I, and you're I always entire, think about that. Red Mountain <laughs> all the time. Uh, Those, yeah. They're my friends. I, I, I think that was my first, I think that was my first assistant editing gig back, you know, uh, like that was my first foray back in and, and even then it took a little time for, for, for me to, people still didn't know me. Like the person I worked for knew me, but then, you know, I, I didn't, I hadn't really sort of spread my wings yet in terms of being in Los Angeles and the, the film community at large didn't know me at all. And, uh, but that was, that was definitely a big break in terms of like, now I can pay the bills. And, um, and I, I think it was just a long, you know, series of little breaks or they're, they're, I shouldn't say little, they're all kind of big breaks in a way because one thing leads sure. to another important thing. So at some point I was, but it only leads on one, one thing only, sorry, Tom, one thing yep. only leads to another if you're looking for it. And I think that's where, what I love yes. about your story so far is it's like, you didn't go right in, like in New York, you didn't go right in and be like, I'm going to be a film editor. I'm just no. going to work on films. That's all I'm going to do. No, you went, you worked for a company, you had a quote unquote real job with benefits and all that stuff. You saved your money, which allowed you to do all these other things. Right. So now here you are in LA and yes. it's like one thing. Yeah. So wrong turn, whatever. We can all laugh about it, but yeah. that led to something else because you were looking for it. And I think so many people don't understand that. I think they just think like, Oh, work will just come to me. It's like, no, you've got to go out and grab it. You've got to look for those connections. You do. And, and not only do you have to look for them and not only did I look for them, but I also, I think what's important to remember, uh, I remember this is I encountered a lot of failure along the way. You know, I encountered a lot of, um, setbacks. It, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, you know, and uh, for my path to becoming an editor. And by this point, after I worked in this commercial editing company in New York and I moved to LA, I knew that I wanted to be a feature film editor. However, I had a secondary uh, <clears throat> related goal, which a lot of people I came up with had similar goals and they were able to achieve it. And that was that I had this dream of apprenticing with a master editor. That was part of my dream, a part of what I wanted to do before I became my own editor. I wanted to, you know, be the assistant to Thelma Schoonmaker who, you know, edits for Martin Scorsese or, mm -hmm. or you know, any number of famous film editors. I mean, I, I, I kind of came up idolizing film editors. I was kind of an editor buff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I want to learn from the masters. And that's something that actually, for better or worse, um, kind of kept me uh, in the assistant editor world for, for much longer than a lot of my peers. You know, a lot of my peers um, did get to work for master film editors and they came up <clears throat> in, a, in, in apprentice roles and then they moved up the ranks. And I never quite achieved that in the way that I thought I was going to achieve it. I didn't work for this famous editor or this famous editor. However, in retrospect, I can look back and say, well, every editor I worked for was my mentor and was my master. And I right. learned incredible things from all of them. And it's the same thing with it's another one of my takeaways is that like, if I had it my way, I would have only worked in movies. But as it turns out, 
I had to work in all these different areas, fashion videos, industrials, you know, reality TV, and every single experience has informed what I do now. So, um, so it's like you take all these things with you and it's so, what's so funny is I'll sort of jump forward. Just, we can jump back, but like we talked about wrong turn, um, on that movie, wrong turn, uh, the movie about the inbred mountain men, uh, one of, one of the, uh, one of the producers on that movie was a, a man named Eric Feig. And, um, and I connected with him and I didn't, I didn't have any overt, you know, like connection. I don't think we really corresponded in my years, you know, after I worked on that movie, but years later when I was editing La La Land for Damien Chazelle, we came to a point where we had to show Lionsgate. We had to show the studio and the studio executives a rough cut of the movie. And we went to go do that. And we wa- went in the theater and one of the executives was Eric Feig, who I knew from long term. Oh, see, that's and great. He, and since then, you know, since La La Land, I'd won the Academy Award. And when I walked in the room, he immediately a big smile came up on his yeah. face and he was like, greeting me. Tom, you know, like I, I saw you on the Academy Awards. We talked about that and we talked about yeah. wrong turn and we laughed about it. And, and <laughs> so to this day I see, and he, he loved the movie and I've, I've seen him at events and I see him every once in a while in the, in the community. And we always like, we had, we shared a, we share, and he's, he's a very well-known, um, incredible, uh, film producer and executive in Hollywood. I mean, we have, we bonded over wrong turn, you know, our experiences yeah, on this yeah, other movie and, you know, anyways, I love that. just to sort of say that like all of your experiences, you know, they all factor in and they all like, sometimes they come back in ways that you don't expect and don't think about. Correct. You know? Right. Yeah. You never but know. You never know. And so, you know, in terms of like my work and my breaks and stuff, you know, I, one, one little thing led to another and, and I didn't give up. Um, I was very far away from where I wanted to be, uh, you know, when I started out in LA, but little by little, you know, I worked, I was an assistant editor on this great HBO show called Deadwood, this David Milch, yes, uh, great show. which was yep. an amazing experience. Yep. Um, yep. and you guys won the Emmy for that too. Yeah, that was, for that was you did? I, th- I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, there were Emmys were won. Yeah, Yo, Emmys, was, Emmys were won for in, in a bunch of different genre uh, categories. Yeah, there was yeah. editing Emmys, and I was an assistant editor, so I, I, I was, I don't want to say I was removed from it, but, but you know, it was like the my my bosses, my bosses did sure. award winning work, and uh, yeah, the headline. I get it. Yeah, they have the head, they had the headline. So, but yeah. it was a, it was great. It was a prestige, beautifully made show, and I was lucky to work on it. And 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 I met a post supervisor who, um, who who went to work on a movie, and he basically kind of gave you know basically gave me uh you know put my name in the hat for some movie, and that's how I got back into more movies. And you know, one thing again, it's like one thing led to another. So. Somewhere along the way, I, I, you know, was an assistant editor on some movies for this director, James Gray. There was a cop movie called We Own the Night with Mark Wahlberg and Ava yep. Mendez and Joaquin Phoenix. And then a, a smaller Joaquin Phoenix movie called Two Lovers, 
uh, and I was an assistant editor on those movies, but I also did a little additional editing on, on them. My mentor boss uh, gave me scenes to cut. So I, I got an additional editor credit on those movies. And, and fast forward to, um, to me trying to deciding finally after all these years that I wanted to become an editor. And I'm kind of, I'm in, my, I'm in that tough spot uh, where I'm, I'm known as an assistant editor. I get calls to be an assistant, but no one calls me to be an editor. So I have to kind of go back and forth, you know, to make, to make ends meet. And, right. and it's a tough time, but I get a call from a producer um, who says, I've got this uh, movie about a jazz musician that I'm trying to get off the ground. And um, to get the financing, we're going to take 20 pages out of this feature script. We're going to get a crew together. We're going to shoot it. And we want to see, make sure the director has the chops, you know, he's, he's a writer director and um, we need someone to edit it. And so that's why I'm calling you. And so, um, so I get the call to cut what's kind of a short film. Uh, and it's a short, turns out to be the short film version of Whiplash. And um, part of me getting called, by the way, is this producer knew me as an assistant editor. Um, you know, we were, we liked each other, but it wasn't like we were particularly close. So a, a lesson there is also like, you know, every person you encounter in your work, you know, could potentially, um, you know, call yep. you for something amazing and you, you may never, never know it. And one of my takeaways is that every person and every break that I thought was going to be my big break often was not. And that, that the contacts who I didn't feel particularly close with, who I liked, but I didn't feel close with, those were often the ones who <clears throat> called me about jobs and stuff. So yeah. here was this producer called me to work on the short. And, and the other key thing, by the way, too, is I think he called me because <clears throat> he knew I was cheap. He knew that okay. he, he knew that I was, I was, you know, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't like a nutcase, but I think he also knew, well, you know, we don't have a lot of money here. So, you know, we have like 500 bucks or something like that, you know, for the whole job, can you do it? And, and I was hungry. I was, I was, I was now trying to make it as an editor. So I was like, I was sending. Yeah. Why would you, and, and why turn down work? It's like, I, I, if I was in that business, even now it's like, right. I'm in a totally different business. But when people call about whether it's a small consultation or whatever, I'm like, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'm not yeah, going to run down more. Right. And, and, and another, calendar, you know, I, absolutely. And, and, and so I was hungry to do it. And then I got sent the script because it was always a feature film script first. And I read it and it was the most amazing script. One of the most amazing scripts I've ever read. And I was like, I would love to edit the feature film. So the idea was that if you cut the short film, you'd get first dibs on, on doing the feature when the financing came in. And so I cut the short film and it got sent to Sundance, uh, Sundance Film Festival as a short. It won an award there. And then a company came on board to, um, to finance the feature film. And as it turns out, when this financier came on board, um, they didn't know any of the, the crew uh, who had worked on the short. So they ended up not hiring anyone who worked on the short film. And... By this point, I got along really well with the director, Damien Chazelle, but he was not really a known person yet. So he had very little clout in terms of who he could hire. And yep. so basically, they didn't want to hire me for the feature film version of it. I mean, I, by that point, I had, I had edited two 
indie, like million dollar movies, like, you know, very, very small. Um, not a lot of people had seen them. So they didn't know who I was. And Whiplash was small too, but I hadn't cut a movie of that, even though it was modest of that size. And so they didn't want to hire me. And it was only after my producer friend who initially called, it was only after he told the company, he said, look, we got this experienced editor waiting in the wing. So if there's, I think we think Tom is great. If he runs into any problems, we're going to get this guy, this big guy to come in and, and kind of take over. So they kind of backstopped me with this, with this okay. more prominent editor. Uh, I say more well, prominent. I was yeah. nobody. Well, no, no, it's not that you're nobody. They just had a, they just plan B. Yeah. That's all. They did. They, they totally like, they said, here's, here's, yeah. we definitely got a plan B. And the, the thing that I said to my crew, my assistant editor, when I got started on the movie, I said, here's the good news guys. There's so little time in the schedule that there's no time to fire us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I ended up cutting the film whiplash and this, this, this other editor waiting in the wings did not have to come in. And by the way, it was, it was someone who was friendly to me. It was someone, a former uh, oh, mentor of mine. Well, yeah. And, and just around that, yeah. the editing piece, what, what, as, as you talk about it, you know, may, it, was there anything you did differently with this film in terms of how you edit versus previous projects, or you just took all your experience and put something into this? Like, cause clearly it was a fantastic film and, well, and you, you got recognized for you. it. So thank you. Well, I was, I got, I was very lucky with that project. I mean, I think it was very different from what I had done before. Um, but definitely all of my experience factored into it. Um, and, and I, I, I used everything, you know, I used every, every trick in the book that I learned before I used to do that movie, but I got very lucky because it all starts with the script and it was this amazing script. And when I read it, I said to myself, this is, it was, it was emotional. It was intense. It was, it was very subjective. Like even when you're reading on the page and I was like, this is exactly the type of movie, um, that I, I want to work on this, this, this is, it's, it's like emotional. I feel like it's a first person experience. Um, Damon Chazelle was writing about jazz rehearsal and making it like sound like life and death, like a war movie, you know, yeah. and I could feel that on the page. And so I was like, I need to do this. And, and I could tell even by the writing that there would be great opportunities for editing. And then when I spoke with Damien Giselle, when we were, when we met to do the short film, you know, we talked about movies we loved and we found that we loved a lot of the same movies. You know, we, we had a lot in common and we found that, that, you know, there were certain scenes in movies that we both would kind of pick over, you know? And so I could tell from my conversations with him that, oh, he wants to use editing to, um, to tell his story. He wants tell to use story. editing to create excitement and to create suspense um, and to create fear, which was important for this story. And, you know, as an editor, editors don't often get those opportunities. And I, I knew I was still green, but I knew enough to know that, you know, this would be a great showpiece for editing, you know, and I'd be lucky to get it. And I'm convinced that um, the only reason I got the movie and was able to do it and other editors didn't come on board or that other people didn't think to 
put other editors on board was that the movie was so small that it kind of just initially went under the radar, you know, um, because you hear stories all the time about um, up and coming editors work on indie projects. And as soon as a studio sees it, buys it, you know, they want to release it, but not before doing their notes. And so they'll hire a really prominent editor to come on board to kind of add their touches and to, to do changes they want. And then, and then the, the original person gets pushed out and that happens all the time, whether oh, it's sure. yeah. or writing. Right. So, um, but again, I'm convinced that like, it's, it's because it was, it was such a small, modest movie. Right. That, kind of went under the radar at first and then it grew and grew and grew. And, and that's another thing that I tell aspiring editors and filmmakers, you know, you, these small opportunities could be your big break. You don't really know, you know, and, and the truth is like for editors, for example, um, I used to go into interviews thinking like, why are they going to hire me? Because they could hire, they could hire this amazing editor or that amazing editor. But the truth is that's not who they're looking for. They're not interviewing every editor in town. Right. They, they have their own parameters. And just like when I got the call right. for the whiplash short, they didn't call my boss. They didn't call my mentor because he was too expensive. They called right. me because I was the right fit, you know? And so right. that, that was said, your, yeah, that was your entry. Yeah. That was your, that was your, 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 your entry, you know, your, your gateway or your entry. It was my gateway. That. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. So whiplash has happened huge, opened up a lot of doors. We're living in this, like, I'm I'm, like right now, I can't, I, Todd and I were trying to figure out, are you super busy right now with the whole COVID thing? Or were, was this a lot of time for you to catch up on everything? Cause we're just, we, I think we have in our heads that you've got this amazing studio at home and you're doing all this. (laughs) You're like this Bengali, just like you're, you know, like Dr. Octopus, your arms are everywhere. You're like, Sorry, I'm right. comic booky. No, no, you know, no. like, you're like yeah. all over the place doing this stuff. So this opens a lot of doors, clearly. A lot yes. more work. Where are you now? And, and can you tease us with anything that you're working sure, on? Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, since Whiplash, again, I, I'm, you know, not, not only was... I'm never, uh, I'm never blasé about, about the Academy and the Academy Awards and all that stuff. I mean, obviously being able to participate and and getting recognized by them is a dream come true because I grew up loving movies, but also, you know, I can't short sell that stuff because it literally changed my life. I mean, my, you know, the, the, when you get recognized in that way, um, the interviews that you get, the meetings that you get to go on. Uh, I mean, I, I've been very lucky in that way. So, you know, I worked since then. I, I, mm-hmm. I worked on a movie for David O. Russell, Joy, this Jennifer Lawrence movie, which was a, yep. a big break for me because it was my first movie working for a a big name director, someone who I idolize, um, whose movies I love. Um, but then, you know, that each one kind of built on on the previous one. So you know, after that I did La La Land, which turned out to be this amazing, wonderful experience. And then, and then I worked on this Western, this Christian Bale Western called Hostiles for Scott Cooper, which is completely so good. Christian Bale. I mean, he's always, I mean, he, he rarely, if ever disappoints my God. No, he's incredible. And so, you know, 
And so here I am, I get to edit and I get to edit and work with these great performances, which is to me, I'm lucky that I get to work on things that have sometimes have different style, editing styles. Sometimes they're fast, sometimes they're fluid, this or that. But then that's amazing fun. And I'm grateful for that. But then the other thing I'm kind of more grateful for is to work with great performances. So I get to help nurture and support these performances by Christian Bale, by Emma Stone, by JK Simmons, all, you know, all down the line. Like that's a dream come true. So I, you know, somewhere along the way when, you know, after the success of movies like Whiplash and La La Land, you know, by this point, I was able to um, get an agent and uh, I, I ended up signing with this, uh, the agency WME, William Morris Endeavor. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, when I had Whiplash, I didn't have an agent. You know, when I, yeah. when I went, took Whiplash, we we all took that to Sundance. I went to the Sundance Film Festival and I didn't have, no one represented me, you know, because no one knew me. Um, but after I got an agent, I said, I said to my agent, I said, you know, I, I'm not sure what I exactly what I want to do. I'm just kind of reacting to things coming in, but I do have a soft spot for, for, I'd love to work on a James Bond movie. And oh, I, I, I'd love for you to work on a James Bond movie. <laughs> and I, and I, and I grew up, I grew up geeking out and I told this to my agent and he's like, okay. Me too. You know? And, and he kind of, you know, he kind of took it in or whatever. All right. All right. And, you know, because I knew a James Bond movie was coming up. There was a Daniel Craig movie called Spectre that was coming up. Well, as it turns yeah. out, I didn't have any sort of in with that at all. And uh, I didn't know anyone, you know, I mean, also the movies are, are, are very London based, you know, it's usually almost always London. Edited. I forget the name of the studio there. They, they have a big studio. Well, I, uh, they shoot them all at Pinewood, studio. Pinewood Studios. Pinewood. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's so, where Star Wars was done too. Yeah, totally. All the, all these big movies done at Pinewood and, and certainly all the Bond movies. And so anyways, I mean, it didn't look like it was going to happen for any reason. And, and just a long story short, after first man, I, um, you know, I tried to throw my name in the hat cause they're making another Bond movie, Bond 25. It was known as the 25th James Bond movie. And I found out that um, they, uh, someone, uh, the Bond producers had called my agent looking for one of his other clients, another editor, who's a, a, a friend of mine. But they wait, looked, did they, you did you did you get this? Yeah. So 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 <laughs> to make a long a short story even shorter. Yeah. So I I I, I ended up I ended up getting uh, nice getting hired to do this Bond movie. So oh my god. So anyways, that, that's, yeah. So that's, <laughs> wow. Oh, I can't my rambling ends with James Bond. And, that's so cool. Yeah. I so cannot wait to, to see this. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Good. April. Uh, hopefully I think it was April or May they're shooting for now with everything. Uh, that's that's right. As, as the last I heard was, was April and, and we'll see if that, that happens or if they move it again It moved, it's moved a bunch of times. Oh, I know. Um, they were the first, they were the first to change right. the, the movement. That's, right. that's in yeah. Incredible. So I, Oh my so, God. So I feel like that's the sort of thing that these breaks can bring you. I mean, in 2014, 2015, you know, that was whiplash. And then, yeah. you know, flash forward to 20, 
2020, I was in London with my family, living in London for a year, editing a James Bond movie. That is so cool. Hear that, Scott? Yeah. So, James Bond, the new James Bond. Amazing. Amazing. Bond, Bond yeah. 25, cryptically known as Bond 25 have, until they... Yeah. Until they well, we're going to have to have you back on. Yes. We are going to have to have you back on when Bond 25 comes out, because A, I want to talk about that, and B... I want to talk about where you lived in London because I lived in London for a few years as well. Oh wow! So I think it'd be fu- it'd be fun to kind of catch up on that. Um, I'm not that. trying to rush us off, but Scott has another client coming in. And apparently, we're important, <laughs> but not that important. But no problem. I'm I teasing. totally Scott, get it. I totally get it. Scott, we're totally teasing you. Um, <laughs> incredible though, um, Tom Cross. What I mean? Yeah, I had yeah, tons I like of things. Circle. I had tons of things <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about too, but we definitely we'll have them back. Twenty five comes out. You got to come back on. I, I I would love to. I would love to. And this time, this time I won't say a word. You guys can do all the talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the point of no. the. No, 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 no. The point of the show is storytelling. No, no. That's why it's done purposely that way. If you listen to our other shows, it's very much about the the guest and the storytelling because. People pick it. what they need out of that. Right. And that that's the it. that's the whole purpose behind the show. So well can I no. Can I say one other thing? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So just just to be present, you know, uh to take us up to the present, I'm I am currently just kind of consulting or helping out on a on a movie. Um, but you know, from March to uh up until almost now, I mean up until what, November or something, mm-hmm. uh, I was not working. So, um, and that was not necessarily by design. I finished James Bond in March and came back to Los Angeles with my family. And, uh, um, like many people, I was, I was not working and, uh, and wondering, you know, what was, what was going to happen. And I, we still wonder a little bit, but I've been lucky to get back to work a little bit, but, um, it's been, it's been a little touch and go. Um, Sure. I think, I think everybody's trying to everybody's trying to figure out how to re-enter this economy, and that's right. it's it's whether in the entertainment business, the retail business, um, it, everybody's right. just trying to figure it out. So let's push for a Marvel film, though, because yeah. that's yeah, another that's big right. geeky thing. That's, I'd that's love right. That. That's right. Tom, thank you so <laughs> much. But it, it was so great to see you and chat with you and hear yeah. your story. It's it it was really great. Well, I and really I loved our little childhood memories beforehand too. That was good. <laughs> many many more of them. I'm a happy childhood, a happy, definitely a happy childhood. And, and, uh, yeah. listen, thanks for having me on and chatting and let's do it again. Yeah, definitely. Happy new year. We will for sure. Happy, happy new, year. new year. Thank Here, you. Here's to a great 2021, right? Yeah. Let's hope. Yes. Okay. Right. Thanks so All much. Right. Tom Cross, everybody. God, thank you. Yeah. Be well guys. Thank you. you too. Be well. Bye bye. Yeah. Todd. Yep. Yeah. Todd, you brought that in and, uh, that in- incredible. And I love that we all have that childhood connection. Yeah, um, it, previous, it, previous to the show, just so people know, like Tom and I talked about, we were on the same soccer team. It's like eight year old kid. Yeah. It's that's hilarious. funny. I, I, I knew you guys knew each other somehow, but yeah, uh, I remember I was so now happy vividly. To, let's definitely get them back when we can be in studio with the good sound. And we have a little more yep. time because there's so much to cover. And I'm sure Scott had a ton of questions too. So Tons. we'll definitely, we'll do it again. And uh, you know, Wow. He, he got James Bond. That's huge. He got James Bond. That is huge. And I just hope that our listeners today picked up from the show. I mean, Tom, Tom had a lot of great things to say, but just remember, you know, he didn't, he, he built himself from the ground up. He didn't he did. try to skip any levels. You know, he saved his money, worked for this company for two years, used that savings to get experiences. 
And those experiences led him to LA where he got more experiences, which finally got him to do that short for Whiplash, which led to the big success of the film and led to an Academy Award for himself. Yeah. So it's incredible. like, you can't, you can't take shortcuts. I mean, I guess you can try if you've got a, you know, a dad that's or you know, family that's in the business, I guess you can try. But Tom's a classic example of you cannot take shortcuts and you can still end up really, really successful. You can. And, and, you and I it. argue, and I argue that that's the way to go. Yep. All right. Well, that was fun. So, hey, say goodbye, George. Goodbye, George. <laughs> <laughs>